right, are you with me today, church? Are we ready? Are we ready to jump in? We are, we are in a series of messages entitled 24-6. And normally we think of the idea that the world functions on a 24-7 schedule. That's what kind of a week is, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. But God has set aside something for his people all the way back at the beginning, and it's called Sabbath or rest, and God had instituted that for his people, it would look a bit different. It wouldn't be 24-7 like the rest of this world, but for his people, he said, I want it to be 24-6. I want you to learn the secret, the power of my rest, and that's what we're talking about. I want you to know we're living in a day and age where life has become more busy and complicated and overwhelming in many ways, and we feel like we're never slowing down or stopping. And I don't know if you've recognized it because it's a little bit like the frog that's put in the pot and it begins to boil. Over time, it doesn't even realize that it's being boiled. The same is true with our time, okay? Here's what I learned, something that's startling. That before the invention of the light bulb and modern electricity entered into homes a little around 100 years ago or so, that before that, the average night's sleep for a person living in the United States of America was 11 hours a night. Think about that. 11 hours a night. Some of you are doing the math right now. You're literally sleeping half that time maybe, some of you. Are you with me? Before the invention of the clock, which was hundreds of years earlier than that, all the rhythms were going off of the sun, sundials. But what do you know about that? In, the, in certain portions of the year, like summer and things, the days are much longer. There's a lot more light. And so there's more time to work and to farm and to do those things that you would do with your hands. And then in the winter, the days are much shorter. So people were literally going to those kinds of rhythms. Their days weren't measured the way that we measure them with a clock. Does that make sense? But then now we have alarm clocks that tell us when to wake up, not when, not when we're ready to wake up. How many of you wish you could wake up when you were ready to wake up? Some of you, you wouldn't wake up for like a month if you woke up when you were ready to wake up. Um, and so life has become busier and busier. Some of you, your job blessed you with a phone, with a company phone, and you thought, this is the coolest thing. My company gave me a phone. Then you realize that phone is actually a leash, and you're on call all the time. Does someone know what I'm talking about? Now you're checking emails. You feel guilty that if, if anyone ever reaches out, you can't, you, you, can't get, you, know, you can't stop. You can't pause. You can't break. There was something called Sunday Blue Laws. Does anyone know what those were? Remember those? That's where businesses were shut down on Sunday. I heard there's still some parts up in North Jersey that they still honor that. And so some of you may have been frustrated because you try to go shopping there and you can't shop or do anything on a Sunday and think, what's the deal here? The deal is they were... They were honoring something. They were forcing rest. They were forcing pause. They were forcing Sabbath because they knew, man, it's not sustainable. But around the 60s and as late as the 80s, all that started to erode in American society. And we thought, well, there's no big deal. It's just like we just turned up the water a few degrees worse. We now have an epidemic on our hands, an epidemic of busyness, of hurried lifestyle, of overconnection of lack of rest, of a restlessness. And I believe that if you'll look at that connected to statistics of anxiety, depression, worry, stress, all that's correlative. Is that making sense? It's all connected. How many of you are thankful God has an answer? God has a better way. He invites us into the power of his rest. And here's what I want you to know about this message today. This is connected to something that's meant to be a blessing. Come on, would you look to your neighbor right now and tell them, it's a blessing. What I'm going to talk about is meant to be a blessing. Here's why I'm telling you that, and I'm doubling down on it today. I had people that left and said to me, 
this was the most discouraging message. And here's why, because as we talked about these principles of Sabbath, they saw that their life was so over busy, so overcrowded that they just could not even figure out, how can I even begin to walk in this? How can I even be able to begin to experience this? And I'm telling you that today, not to scare you, because this isn't here. This isn't a yoke and a heavy burden that the Lord is trying to put on you. It's a blessing he's inviting you into. And I want to tell you, if you understand the heart of what God has for us in this place of rest, I don't want you to leave here discouraged. I want you to leave here determined to say, God, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get before you. I'm gonna, we're we're going to find a way, Lord. I want to enter into the rest that you have. I want to experience this. Are you with me today? So we're going to talk about this today, and I want you to know it's a blessing. You write that at the top of your notes so that if you feel that pinch of, ah, this doesn't feel like it's I could do this, that you'll point right back to and say, it is a blessing, Lord. This is a blessing that you have for me. Because that's the problem. If we're not careful, blessings can start to become burdens. God started this whole idea of Sabbath and even his law um, of, of sharing what relationship with him would look like in the Old Testament. And by the time we get into the New Testament, I know it wasn't the intention of the religious leaders at the time, but you can see by the time Jesus shows up and is born, God in the flesh, what the religious leaders are doing and what they're doing in the name of honoring God and obeying God and setting these rules in place are so far from the heart of God found in Jesus that it almost feels like there's two completely different realities at play. And I want you to know that the goal isn't here that God wants to overburden us, give us another thing to think about, another thing to do. He wants to invite us into rest. And although it might be challenging to really develop the habits that can cause this to be fruitful in our lives, it's worth it. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Come on now, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. All right, all right. Are we ready to jump in? It's a blessing that God has for us. It's, it's tied up in this promise, in this uh, statement that Jesus makes. Turn your, uh, turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to look at this statement that Jesus makes. And it's an invitation to all of us. And so let's hear these words as they did in the very first time that they were ever spoken by Jesus. How many of you are thankful that the word of God is alive and active? That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that these words are not just true when they were written, they're true for us today. This is God's truth for us. Are we ready? Some of us need to hear this invitation. Some of us need to accept this invitation. Here's what Jesus says. Come on, let's all read it together. I'm going to put it on the screen. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Let's see it up on the screen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen. Verse 29, he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Who needs rest for their soul today? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus came to a time and a people, those that were falling within the religious uh, rules of the day, the Jewish law, Many of them, as Jesus looked at them, they had become very burdened. There had been layers of new laws and restrictions and things being set into place that were literally burdening the people. And what God started out to bring as blessing became a burden. And they weren't able to experience the fullness of what God had intended for things, especially around rest and around Sabbath. 
In fact, as you'll look in the very next chapter later in, in Matthew chapter 12, we see this story unfolding where, um, where Jesus is on the Sabbath with his followers. I want you to look uh, with me at, at uh, another telling of that story found in Mark's gospel. It'll be here on the screen. It says in Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 24, it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was walking through the grain fields. As his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to Jesus, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So here's the, here's the deal. Jesus is walking with his disciples. It's the Sabbath. And they walk by a field and they start to pick some grain. Now, they're not shoplifting. It's legal to do this. You were meant in that time, you were meant to leave some grain on the edge of your field. So if anyone was passing by, anyone was wandering, they would be able to have some to sustain them and nourish them along the way. The problem was you're not supposed to harvest on the Sabbath, and your followers, Jesus, are harvesting on the Sabbath. What is this? Do you not care about God and about what God has said about the Sabbath? That's basically what they're saying. Little did they know is that he is God in the flesh. He's not different than God the Father. Are you with me? See, here's one of the things I want you to realize. The God of the Old Testament there, and as that's God the Father who we mainly see revealed in the Old Testament, Jesus, God the Son, they don't act out of accord with one another. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I want you to, Jesus isn't a rebellious child this year saying, well, this is what my Father says, but I'm going to do it this way. That's not how this works. Are you with me today? It might be important because it could be confusing. Like, I don't understand. God's three in one, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. How is it? They're in perfect unity with one another. And, and, and not one, the Holy Spirit's not going to speak something that is in line with God's heart and in, in line with the heart of Christ and, and vice versa. Jesus isn't doing or saying anything that is incompatible with what the Father has said and desires. So they're saying, you're breaking the law. You're breaking God's laws. Jesus say, no, I'm not. I'm breaking your law, your, your ideas, man-made creation here. This isn't, this isn't what it's about. So Jesus begins to deal with them about it. And he uses some different instances in the Old Testament where um, they were able to do that. And Jesus was showing, I am Lord over the Sabbath. That's what he's ultimately helping them to see. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Jesus says, look, if you would have known what these words really mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. He said, you're trying to bring down harsh laws and legalistic practices when it comes to rest and Sabbath. But he says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, for in many ways, whenever these people, uh, over, over time, the people of God, as they were trying their best, and they were doing it the very best they could to honor God, they created so many rules about Sabbath and, and rest that by the time we get to this moment, the Sabbath had been something that was such a burden for people. You know, they were, they were tripping over themselves, walking on eggshells. What can I do? What can I not do? And, and I can walk this long and I have to do it this way. And, and so there's all of this. But Jesus begins to correct and help them see it. He says, look, this is the reality. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse 27 through 28. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Here's the reality. God did not make the Sabbath. There's this day, and what are we going to do on this day? Well, maybe we can create some people that are going to, like, be really inconvenienced. And we'll have to, like, that, that wasn't the goal. God created us, and he loves us. Come on, God loves you right where you are. And he loves you too much to let you work yourself to death. He loves you too much to act like a slave just bound by, by creation and by creating and by working. God says, I love you so much that I give you this gift of my rest. 
this gift of my Sabbath, a day to pause, a day to rest, a day to remember, a day to experience refreshing in my presence. This is the gift that God has. Come on, say it again. It's a blessing. It's a blessing God has for us. So I want us to understand the, the depths of this because if we miss it, we miss everything. And, you know, Jesus goes on in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. Right after this, it talks about another Sabbath day where Jesus enters into the synagogue. And as he's in the place of really worship, there's a man that's there on the Sabbath. He's come to worship God. He's come to just be in God's presence and honor that. And he has a shriveled hand. He has a deformity in his hand. There's something seriously wrong. And now people were looking at him, especially the religious leaders, because they know this Jesus has, um, has healed the sick. And they're saying, let's see if he thinks it's okay to heal the sick on the Sabbath. Because I guess that's work in their eyes. So Jesus knows what's in their heart, and he said to the man, stand up. And then everyone was there looking, and Jesus says, let me ask you, what is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? And he remained silent. In fact, in, the, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, look, if one of your um, donkeys or one of your animals fall into a pit on the Sabbath, are you going to pick them up? How much more valuable is, is man than one of these animals? And Jesus says to him, stretch out your hand. And the man did and was healed instantly, which is amazing. Praise God. But Jesus looked at the people, and he saw that all they had was stubborn, hardened hearts. In fact, as soon as the man was healed, they all left. And they said, now we got him. We're going to go figure out how we can kill Jesus. They didn't care about this man. They didn't care really about the Sabbath and what was going on. They cared about trying to catch Jesus in this lie. Don't fall into legalism with this stuff, okay? It's so easy. The longer we walk in faith, the longer we go to church, we can become very, very religious. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give us a new religion. He came to bring us into relationship with the Father. He came to define that and establish that. Remember that. And there's times, even with the things that we're going to talk about around Sabbath, that it's so easy that our hearts and minds can drift into legalism. And I want to encourage you not to, because here's the deal. We learn this from all these passages of Scripture. It is entirely possible that we can get so consumed trying to follow the rules of Sabbath that we never enter the rest of Sabbath. We can get so consumed saying, well, here's what's to do, what's not. And you have this thousand-page thing of this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, that you never actually rest and the whole day goes by. That isn't what God wanted. Are you with me? It's not what he desired. He wants you to experience the gift of of his rest. Jesus said, come to me if you're weary. Come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you're burdened. I will give you rest. The ultimate rest is found in Jesus. So as we Sabbath now as followers of Jesus, we stop, we slow down, and there's some things that we can do to experience the fullness of God's rest in a very special way. So in the remainder of our time together, I want to give you four steps to Sabbath. These are four principles, four steps that you can put into practice to make the most of Sabbath rest. And so that idea of Sabbath, again, is taking a day, as much of a day as you can, to get before the Lord and just rest in his presence. And so we're going to look at that, and, and, and I want to give them to you, and I'd encourage you to write them down, take a picture. Maybe we'll find a way to share these on social media or in some other way if you miss any of them. But are we ready for them, church? Here we go. Number one, disconnect to connect. That's the first step. You have to schedule a day each week to do what? To stop working, to just unplug, 
to disconnect. This has to become a priority in your life or you'll never experience the rest that God has for you. If you don't disconnect, if you keep going over and over and over again, you're going to burn out. You're going to become over busy, over, over hurried. And I want to promise you, it will not happen by accident. Rest and Sabbath will not happen by accident. It has to be a priority. It has to be intentional. Does it need to be a Saturday or a Sunday? No, I don't believe that it does. I believe that we saw that, yes, on that seventh day, but then as Jesus came, we then saw that early Christians really celebrated their Sabbath and remembered it on Sunday. It doesn't even necessarily have to be Sunday. It's about taking a day. It's not about the law. It's about the life. It's a principle of Sabbath being applied to us now as New Testament believers in Jesus. Because there's some of us, even myself included, and those that work here at the church, or some of you, perhaps your work schedule is such that your day off might be on Monday or on Wednesday or whatever the case would be, and your literal work schedule has you on certain days, even filling into a weekend. So um, taking the day is what is vitally important. Man, if you could look at what the last week looked like here at Evangel, we had multiple funerals, a wedding, wedding rehearsal, multiple services. I was here on Friday, which is normally my day off, all day yesterday uh, with funerals and some other things going on. Um, it hasn't stopped. So you know what my Sabbath is? Tomorrow. Not normally the day I do, but I literally said to myself, please schedule nothing tomorrow. And you know what happened when I looked at my calendar? It says schedule nothing and blocked out the whole day. That was very beautiful. So what am I going to do? I'm going to apply the very principles that I'm talking to you about today, the questions I'm going to have you asking yourself, I'm asking myself, and I'm just taking note, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow experiencing some of this just for myself. Amen? I'm flesh and blood too, all right? Um, and it's about taking that day and, and protecting it. Here's what I realized. I have a ton of things I could jump into tomorrow, but if I don't pause, I won't be any good to do what God wants me to do if I just keep going and I burn it around the clock. Amen? And you're not going to be good for what God wants you to do in your family. It's not much different because I stand up here and you, God has entrusted you with families, with, with, with work, with calling, with all kinds of things. And if we don't stop and rest, we're going to burn ourselves out. Amen? We want to experience this gift that God has for us. And so that's what it's going to look like. So the first thing we have to do is make it a priority. Schedule it, protect it, place it there. And let nothing get in the way of that to the best of your priority. Um, Stephen Covey has a great quote. He says this, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. There's a difference than looking at the long list of things you have on your schedule and saying, oh, let me put this in priority order. Don't even look at that. Start with what is the top priorities. Place them on the calendar. Place them in, in, in your life. Put those in that place and then let everything else build around that. Does that make sense? So that's, that's one of the goals here that's going to help you if you're going to really enter in. So it starts with disconnecting so that you can do what? Connect with God. If you're connected to your work and all these other things, it can get in the way of receiving everything the Lord would have for you during Sabbath rest. So you disconnect from work. You know, Jesus had said, um, well, the, the question that we would normally ask is, well, pastor, I mean, can I not do anything? What if there's an emergency? What if there's whatever? Jesus seemed to give um, an allowance for that in Matthew chapter 12. He said, look, if you have a, a sheep that falls into a pit, are you not going to work and get the sheep out of the pit? Of course you are. So he says it's okay to do good. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's okay. Again, we got to be careful not to get too legalistic about it. But here's what I want to tell you. If every week your sheep falls into a pit, then you're a poor manager. you got some other problems going on here. It's not really about the emergency. It, 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 things are out of control. Are you with me? you got to find someone better. you got to put a fence up around that pit um, so that they don't quit, keep falling in there every time you're trying to rest. 
Um, and so that's an important uh, principle and thing to realize. Also, you know, it's, well, you know, whenever I serve here at church or I'm a part of certain things that, I, that I'll do that are like a, an act of worship, not my work, is that okay to continue to, be, to do that or do I have to stop on that as well? I would encourage you, that's an outflow of our relationship with the Lord. It's an outflow of our worship. We don't desire for what you're doing here when you're serving to be work. It's meant to be worship and serving God using the gifts that he's given us. So we encourage that. And we say, no, that's fine. If you pick your Sabbath, there's something you're doing to serve the Lord and to do that, that's great. Here's the only exception I would give you. If you're one of our camera operators, we so appreciate our media team or one of our sound people. Can we give it up for them? Um, and you're here and you're going to serve and you're going to do this, but your 40-hour-a-week job is you're also a camera operator, it gets a little easy for that to now blur together. And it's like you're working and then you're doing the same thing you normally do when you're working. That can mess with you a little bit. Does that make sense to everyone? So you want to be careful. Again, if you're doing something here that's basically the exact same thing you're doing all the rest of the week, then perhaps you have to be much more intentional to ensure that you are finding the best way to Sabbath and to rest, and, and, uh, and we'll help you with that in any way we can, our leaders along the way. So disconnect to connect. What else to disconnect from? Can I give you one that, that I'm convicted about? Social media. Disconnect from social media on Sabbath. That's what I'm going to personally do. I'm finding that oftentimes social media is not doing good for me. It's, it's harming me more than it's helping me at times. Does anyone know? Is anyone looking at the feeds that I'm looking at? Uh, it's, not always, it's not always constructive or beneficial. But we don't need to be connected to that. You know, uh, email, these kinds of things. I really think it's, it's this device. In 2007, when the smartphone came out, when they invented that, this changed everything. This changed, we, we will read about this in history books decades from now. That year and what happens when the internet age was born and we have access to everything on the t fingertips. Here's, here's what we say, though, about the, the smartphone. You have access to everything. Isn't that what we normally say at your fingertips? Let, let's flip it. Everything has access to you on this thing. Think about that for a moment. Everything's reaching out. Yeah, Siri, don't, don't listen to that, Siri. Um, Everything has access to you. And I'm not trying to say in a big brother. Thanks, Pastor Rick. Now you got me all paranoid. Um, but whenever you think about it, the, you're now beholden. Text messages, emails, people reaching you. What could it look like on a Sabbath to say, I'm, I'm off the grid. I'm just kidding. I'm going Amish style on this Sabbath. You know, the, you know, it was a huge deliberation for the Amish whenever the car came out. They had to, they had to really deliberate because they're, they're doing all that out of religious, like what things are going to complicate our lives and how much will it be. And, and they had to deliberate and deliberate and decide they weren't going to have cars. And that's why you'll see horses and buggies if you go out to Lancaster. Could you imagine what the conversation was when the smartphone came out? They probably, their heads probably exploded. <laughs> like, it's a hard no, hard pass on using a smartphone because this is, uh, this is, this is uh, something that can just grab a hold of us. In fact, I have a picture when I saw it. I thought, yeah, that's kind of the reality of the smartphone. Um, if we're not mindful, it's tethering us. It's holding us. It's keeping us. So one of the things that I'm choosing to disconnect from during Sabbath is I'm going to disconnect from my smartphone. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to allow that access to those things be something that's going to distract me during that time. I just want to be refreshed. I don't want to have to worry about what's going on all around. I just want to be able to sit back and, and enjoy that time. So that's one of the things. You need to answer the question for yourself about what you need to disconnect from. But this is a good idea, the, the phone, because one study shows, are you ready for this? On a given day, an average day, a smartphone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day on average. 
those that are in the top 10% of using their phone, we'll have an altar call for you at the end of this service. Over 5,400 times a day touching the phone. Again, these are statistics, and these go as far back as 2016 when they were doing the study. I'm not sure what the most recent data, if they have it, will be. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of connection. We don't even realize it. So if you decide for this first part, remember, it's a blessing. Say it with me. It's a blessing. If you make this decision, it may not feel like a blessing for the first few times. Do you know why? And can I be honest with you? Because it's going to be a breaking of an addiction in your life. And it's going to be hard. And you're going you're gonna to have a struggle. But some of us, were addicted to this thing. We don't even know we're addicted. And when you really do try to disconnect, um, you might feel it. But remember, it's a blessing. And as you allow that to happen, and this wouldn't have the hold it had on you before, uh, the Lord's going to bring a freedom and a peace and a rest into your life. You won't be anxious uh, in, in the same way, perhaps. Do you hear me today? Second point, second step is to rest and receive. So now we've disconnected. Now what? Connect to the Lord. How? Through rest. Man, one of the most spiritual things the Lord's going to give you on Sabbath is going to be a nap, a holy nap, uh, a beautiful holy nap. We're going to rest to be slain in the spirit before the Lord. I don't know. But he's going to give you rest. What kind of rest? That kind of rest. Yes, that rest is okay on the Sabbath. Um, but it's a time for you just to, to rest, to breathe out, to not do. So you're resting from your paid work and you're resting from your unpaid work. Hear me because it's so easy. My, my family, we're almost slipping into it. We're saying, okay, we're going to Sabbath. We're going to rest. What can we do? Oh, this is going to be awesome. We can hang up the pictures we wanted to hang up in the, in the, in, 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 in the bathroom. And then we can go here and we can buy this thing. We can do. And you just start to get excited like, yes, I can get a bunch of work done. Hold on, work. I'm supposed to be resting. So although some of those things might make you feel good because they've been on your list for a long time, I want to encourage you, rest from that kind of work as well. Because, again, it's not about what you're doing. It's about what God's doing. And he wants to just give you that sense of rest. He wants to allow you uh, to experience that. For some to be able to do this, we're going to have to plan in advance. There are things that I've gotten into the habit of doing on Saturdays or on days when I would be resting in that way that I'm going to have to maybe do earlier in the week during some evenings, do some of those kinds of things. Maybe you go shopping on the weekend. Maybe you can find a different way to do that a different time so you can really be at rest and make the most of that time. What am I doing whenever I'm resting? You're being with family. Can we go out to eat? Sure, go out to eat. Can we cook something? If that's life-giving to you, if it's a, a really difficult chore, then, then find a different way to do that or find someone that it is life-giving. Um, Pastor Rick loves to cook. He'll come to your house and cook for you on that, on that day, as long as it's not his Sabbath, I guess. Um, but, but find something that's life-giving. Be with your family. Go out. Enjoy the time. Uh, just rest in God's goodness um, in, in that way and receive from the Lord. You know, one of the powerful things about the Sabbath is that it is a time for God to supernaturally provide for you. It shows that I'm not the, my sole provider here. God is my provider. And so whenever you look here at this quote from Pastor Robert Morris in the book, Take the Day Off, it says, a Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. So it, here's a few questions I want you to ask, um, you know, whenever it comes to resting and receiving. One is what plans do I, what do I need to plan out better so that I can really rest? So what plan do I need to make during the week so that I can get that, get that in the right place? The second question you ask is what do I need to receive from God right now? You know, it's during at times of rest, when you're resting, that you could start to see what's deficient. You could start to see what's, what's imbalanced in your life. 
And sometimes when we rest and we slow down, we're like, wow, I'm really worn. I'm really tired. I'm really hurting, whatever it might be. In that moment, you can just stop and in the presence of the Lord. I just got this sweet picture as I was praying over this message of that man that was in the synagogue in Mark 3 on the Sabbath. And as he's there, he has this shriveled hand. And then you have the religious leaders in, in, in there as well. And they're all worried about the rules and how to make sure it's all there. I don't know. Every day I want to be that shriveled man on the Sabbath. I want to come to the Lord. And I want to say, Lord, this is where my need is. Because we all have needs. None of us are perfect. Amen. We all have hurts. We all have things. And knowing that Jesus has just what we need to give us, to restore us, to refresh us. Um, I want to be in that place of receiving every day, every time uh, that I can. So that's number two, rest and receive from the Lord. Not receive from your own hand, receive from what the Lord would give you. Three is delight and draw near. Delight and draw near. So the question you're going to ask around this one is, what brings me joy and delight? Some of us, we have this wrong idea of what Sabbath is about. We think, okay, if I'm really going to do this, Pastor, then I'm going to read through half the Bible uh, for the first seven hours of the day. And then I'm going to pray for three and a half hours nonstop. Then I'm going to watch Ben-Hur uh, or the Ten Commandments or something like that. And, you know, be in there and worship. We'll be playing 24-7. And uh, I'll only be, you know, hey, if that, if that gives you joy, delight, and refreshing, you're more spiritual than all of us, and that's great. And we love it, and I want you to be able to do that. But you know what else you can do? What the Lord did on the, the first Sabbath. He just sat back and he enjoyed the creation of his hands. And there's times for some of you, the joy and delight, does it refresh you to get out of nature? Does it refresh you to be able to go out and go for a walk? Uh, does it To go sit by the beach and just rest and say, I don't have any agenda here today, but just to be in your presence, Lord. I love it. And just to breathe in and just be at rest and enjoy that. Yes, what gives you joy and delight? Do that during your time of rest, during your time of Sabbath. Um, enjoy that. For me, wide open spaces, like I had this, I saw this picture of just there. I'm like, yes, there. I want to go there and just sit. And just relax and just rest. And if I can't do that, maybe I'll just put it on my screen at home, my couch, and just sit and pretend like I'm there um, and just enjoy it. But do something that brings you joy and delight. Enjoy that. Eat good food. Uh, enjoy just to have the sweetness of fellowship with friends. Enjoy that. In the midst of that delight, draw near to God as well. And so draw near to him and so figure out how can I draw near to the Lord. Maybe you will go out in nature somewhere. You'll sit and just read your Bible. I'm talking about the paper Bible, like the one up here on the screen, not, not on here because you've disconnected, hopefully, from this. How will I find the Bible? There's paper Bibles everywhere. We'll buy you one. Um, sit and just read and reflect and just take in what the Lord has for you. Walk and pray and listen to, listen to worship music. Sing a song to the Lord. Whatever brings you delight and, and helps you to draw near to God, do that on the Sabbath. Finally, and Pastor Rick, you can come on up at this time. Number four is reflect on your journey. I think this is one of the most important concepts that I don't want you to miss, is that it just continually seems that as God is connecting people with Sabbath, he wants them to look back and remember. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his power to save us. Whenever God instituted the Sabbath in the Old Testament, he said, remember how you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord stretched out his mighty hand and rescued you. And you're not slaves, now you're sons. So what you're doing on the Sabbath during the Shabbat dinner, they would sit and they would talk about it. They said, we were oppressed in Egypt and we were slaves, but now God has rescued us. Praise God. And, and they would eat and they would enjoy that and they would celebrate God's power and what God's, God's work in their lives. 
guess what? We have the ability to do that in even a greater way, knowing that Jesus has saved us, that he's redeemed us. I want this to be a regular practice for me as I'm resting in the Lord. I want to reflect on where the Lord has saved me from. What difference has Jesus made in my life? That's the big question I'm asking during this time is what difference have you made in my life, Jesus? And as I reflect on that, and as I enter into that, the Lord just touches that time in a very special way. Remembering how he saved us, remembering how he's redeemed us, remembering all these things. You'd be amazed as you read the Bible how many times God tells his people to remember. Don't forget how faithful God has been, and that will bring joy and peace to your heart as you do that. Does that make sense, church? Let's review these four again. The first thing that we're going to do, number one, what is it? Disconnect to connect. Number two, rest and receive. Number three, delight and draw near. And number four, reflect on your journey. Sound good? Sound good? This is, this is what it can look like. Now, for some of you, again, it's a blessing, not a burden. The idea is begin this. Begin to do this. Begin to answer these questions. Begin to enter in. How soon can you make that a priority? Take, take a day. Take a day this week. Look at it as soon as you're able to protect time and just delight and rest in what God has for you. Again, it may feel awkward at first for the first few weeks, but I believe this. There is a place of breakthrough the Lord's going to bring you to as we capture this idea of rest. And I want you to know this. I really believe it. I said it to Manny. He said, tell them. I said, okay, I'll tell them. Sabbath is to your time in your calendar what tithing is to your budget. Hear me, okay? Tithing is the idea that I'm taking a tenth, I'm taking a portion, I'm giving it to the Lord, I'm giving it back to Him. And you know what God does then? He blesses the 90 and He sustains you and you find supernatural provision. Normally, you see 90 going further than 100 went in your own hands. Can anyone testify to that that knows what I'm talking about? So he says, six days instead of seven. Take that day, just like you take a tenth, and say, Lord, I trust you. I'm going to honor you with this. I'm going to do it. Some of you are like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, Pastor. I already don't. I needed eight days. I thought you were going to convince me somehow we can get an extra day. No. How can I do it? Watch God do what he does in that way, in this way. Watch how God redeems the time. Watch how God, who is the God over space and time, stretch and bless and supply and provide and refresh you along the way. And for some of us, as we honor this and as we walk in it, I'm believing of testimonies where God's going to begin to show how he's done more in six days through us than we were ever able to do on seven days. Tired, worn out, and burnt out along the way. Come on, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Bow your heads and your hearts with me at this time. And I just want to invite you to this one question. I think it's an important question that if you're here and you've heard what I've said at this point in time, it, it can make benefit. You can find positive benefit from it, but you won't experience the fullness of what we're talking about today until you've answered the final question I asked today. And that question is, what difference has Jesus made in my life? I promise you this. Hear me clearly. If you heard nothing else, listen in right now. You cannot experience the rest God has for you outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our rest. He brings us into the greatest rest. You will not have peace for your soul or rest for your soul until you're right with God and right with Christ. So bow your heads and close your eyes. And in this moment, listen to this. 
the difference that Jesus has made in my life. There was a time that I did not know him. There was a time that I did not honor God with my life. I was in sin. I was broken. I was backwards and hopeless. But I heard what you're about to hear, that Jesus loved me, that God loved me so much he sent his son Jesus to die for my sins. Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross. But like everyone else that dies and stays dead, something radically different happened. Jesus, three days later, rose from the dead because he was God in the flesh. And because he died and he rose again, he was giving us something so beautiful, the gift of new life, forgiveness for our sins. Jesus made a way. He paid the price for your sins and for mine. And he gave us the opportunity to have a brand new life in him. And today, if you feel far from God, today, if you have never made a decision to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. There's nothing magical about it. It is a declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's surrendering our lives to him, putting our hope and our trust, not in our works or in our ability to clean up our lives, but knowing we'll never do that. We come to you, Jesus, and we trust in your work and what you've done. Today, if you're far from God and you're ready to give your whole life to Jesus, you're ready to surrender, I want to pray this prayer with you. But I'd love to know that you're here today and you're, you would just acknowledge your need for the Lord. So if you're here with every head bowed and eye closed, just acknowledge that by lifting your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. I'm ready to get right with God. I need Jesus in my life. Come on, lift your hand up right now. There's no re need to be ashamed or embarrassed about it. Praise God. Is there anyone else? I see you in the front. I see you in the balcony. I see hands going down on the main floor. Is there anyone else? I see your hand, ma'am. Anyone else on this side? I see your hands up here. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Praise God that people are making this decision. This is the best decision you'll ever make. Now we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite, as I begin to pray, altar team, would you come? Prayer team, just come to the front right now. We're going to pray, and I want you to listen. If you raised your hand, you pray this prayer with me right now from the bottom of your heart. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. Today I believe that you died and that you rose again to give me a brand new life. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to look up at me right now. Come on, let's praise God. Listen, if you said that prayer and there were hands that were going up all over the place, it isn't just about saying the prayer. That's this first step. But I want you to learn what it means to follow Jesus and to have a real relationship with him. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is as we dismiss in a moment, some people are going to come forward for prayer. I want you to be one of them if you raise your hand today. And any of our team members here in the front, they have a copy of this book. It's called Following Jesus. It says no turning back because that's the decision today that we're all in. You're, you're giving your all. And in this book, you're going to learn the seven um, steps to following Jesus. And it's a great resource for you. So if you're just beginning your relationship with the Lord, especially if you rose your hand today, as everyone else is leaving, you come forward. We'd love to put this in your hand today as you leave. Amen? Amen. Was this helpful today, church? Do we feel like we're ready to, to apply these principles to walk out what God has for us? 
I want to pray for you, and then you're free to go and free to come forward if you need prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you've come to give us this bless of your rest, Lord God. You blessed it, Lord God, and we ask that as we apply this to our lives in this season, Lord God, will we grow and experience the fullness of what you have for us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray for the person who this feels, Lord, impossible to them, Lord. They feel so challenged, Lord. I pray that in this season, Lord God, as they make this a priority, that they will experience your hand, your blessing, your touch like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you today as you go. If you need prayer or um, you would like to pick up this book, please come forward. We'd love to place it in your hands. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday and this Wednesday night.